Well, someone sure changed his mind on cops. But luckily, the Philadelphia Police Department uh, gave some great heroes. I ain't gonna lie. Uh, and, 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 you know, I'm sorry if I disrespected them in the past. Some good guys and women with guns. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. Whether it's refinancing, cash out refinance, purchasing a new house, there are choices. You could go to one of the mega mobbed up banks that's partnered in the ESG score with BlackRock, or you could go to American Financing and AmericanFinancing.net, a family owned national mortgage bank that was with our friend, God rest him, Rush Limbaugh for decades, AmericanFinancing.net. The uh, the gentleman I just played, I'll, I'll play the full clip, but it's a funny thing that guns, unlike any other tool, engender such a huge emotional response on both sides. I was a young man. No, that's not true. I was a boy, and I used to cherish going to my father's gun collection. You know, my father was a collector of, of mostly rifles. And he had some from way back. I still have a single shot 22 that has the most unique action uh, I've seen on, on any weapon. And it was a German weapon made before World War I. I have some of his other rifles that are much more emotional to me, belonged to my grandfather. My father's 2535, over under 2535, was stolen from his home. And the family lore was that that had baited across the plains when great grandpa came across the plains in a wagon. And he actually did come across the plains in a wagon. And the, the, the tales that he told would be fairly tall, but that was a fact. And I do believe that rifle came across the, uh, the, the, the plains with him. And I also remember going into this room. And the rules, you had the same rules I did. Guns are always loaded, never pointed at anything you do not intend to kill. And we would look at the weapons and he would tell me the stories. If this was your great, great grandpa's, he owned it in Germany. Here's how it works. My dad would take me through, of course, the rules. Is it loaded? Yes, it is until I know it's not. Show me how to hand it to back to me. Show me where we store it. And my father would say this to me. These are very, very important tools and they're very dangerous tools. And here's the rules. I will show you my gun collection anytime you ask me. Anytime. Uh, and we'll look at the guns together. But if I ever find out that you touched my guns and I wasn't there, you will never see them again. And those of us who grew up around guns, we have that respect for these tools because they are so incredibly dangerous, as is any other tool. Well, not any other tool, but so many other tools. I had an uncle who lost a hand logging because he wasn't paying attention. You probably have similar instances in your family. I have a family member with an incredible burn up the side of his body. 
Well, he was, he was welding, not paying attention and lost focus and ended up nearly dying. And you probably have these, these circumstances as well. The tool is being scapegoated, as we know. The left does this for fundraising purchases, uh, uh, fundraising purposes. But there's a darker turn to this. The dark turn is twofold. Number one, there really are people who want us to be entirely armed and entirely helpless. They really do want that because they want to put their boots on our necks. They're doing it. I had an article deleted. Well, actually, but the, the, yeah, they, no, they, 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 yeah, they wanted me to edit it and I refused and then they took it down and they were just going to disappear it. And I said, no, no, y- y- you made a decision, an editorial decision, own it. Say this article has been removed because it violated our, our principles. What I said in the article was that Jay Inslee, the dictator of Washington state, I said, Jay Inslee has his boots on the neck of Washingtonians and they can't breathe. I stand by my view, utterly, utterly, completely, unreservedly stand by by my view. He killed people. He did it during the lockdowns. And I understand their point of view. I, I, I didn't have a particular problem with them deciding to take the article down to spike it. I understand their point of view. But the fact is, this shows us that there are government entities who want to not just control us, but put boot on neck. This is why the Second Amendment exists. You know, when you could explain themes in a meme, uh, things in a meme, then it's pretty simple. The, the, in fact, the meme is correct. The, the founding fathers did not just return from a hunting trip when they wrote the Second Amendment. They had returned from overthrowing a government. That's what they did. Now, you could say that the government was attempting to overthrow them and that it wasn't really a government. It was a monarchy. And all those things are debatable and true and debatable. But what's not debatable is that they wanted to have the most effective arms that they could. If they had wanted the citizens to have a second class set of arms, they would have written that. If they wanted the army, which many of them did not want a standing army. If they had wanted the government to have a monopoly on really, really effective force, they would have written that into it. And they could have done that. There's many ways they could have done that. They were smart men, brilliant men. They didn't because they didn't want to because they had just overthrown a government. They wanted to be able to defend themselves against tyranny. George Washington is very, very, very clear on this point. George Washington also dropped to his knees in prayer. When he realized that he was, he alone, his will, his strength, his smarts was nothing in comparison to what he faced in the British, against the British army. He dropped to his knees. He was a man of, of nearly constant prayer. He was a man soft-spoken. When George Washington gave his first uh, address, inaugural address, the complaints were that people couldn't hear him. We wanted a tour, a George Washington tour. And we went to the place from where Washington spoke. And the tour guide spoke from where Washington had stood roughly. And he spoke at a level that would be what Washington was speaking. How do we know? Because the people in about the 14th row couldn't hear. There were complaints. He was so soft-spoken. But of course, he carried with him the biggest, what became the biggest stick in the modern world, which was the U.S. military. 
militias come military. The emotion around guns is so purposeful. It aids people in hating a thing. It aids people in fearing a thing. But I said it's a dual-edged sword, didn't I? I have a couple of gun safes. There's a sponsor. I, I, still, I still voice ads for them in Seattle on, on my old radio station, KTTH, Northwest Safe. I only buy from them. So I've, I've got a couple of gun safes. I got a bunch of guns. I have a bunch of ammo. I'm not as well stocked as some, and I'm better stocked than most. I don't want my guns to be an icon. I do not want to trust in chariots and horses. Now, none of that says I will not use my weapons to defend my family. I will. If I could be part of a solution, if God forbid I was in a circumstance and someone was in there shooting people, I would hope that I would be calm enough of mind or at least um, able to compartmentalize enough that I could be helpful and help take someone out. Maybe I couldn't be helpful. If my hands are shaking and I wet my pants, I'm not going to try it. I'll let other people do it unless there's no one else and it's me. Then I'll have to get through the wet pants and the shaking hands. But I do believe that the Lord has gifted me the ability to be completely calm in circumstances like that and compartmentalize. I've, I've, I've experienced it. Not that exact thing, but really dangerous moments. The fact that the rhetoric around guns is being turned up at the same time as the World Health Organization wants to seize control of our sovereignty, as we talked about yesterday with Reggie Littlejohn. The fact that the rhetoric around guns is being turned up at the same time as there are armed terrorist groups in the country being allowed to run wild. The fact that the rhetoric around guns and white people is being turned up at the same time only two years after ABC celebrated a black militia that opened, carried through cities, and in fact, just about shot one another and sometime they had a mishap poorly carrying their guns and with absolutely poor trigger discipline. And thank God that they weren't killed or members of the audience wasn't killed. The fact that these things align at a time where the government is aligning with social media to shut down our speech and Kevin McCarthy's working with his dear, dear friend, Liz Cheney, and their dear, dear friends at Facebook to make sure that we don't get to speak out around election issues. The fact that this is happening at the same time as they took the longest possible run, keeping us locked down at the longest period of time that they possibly could until they couldn't anymore because it was fixing, it was, it was affecting election outcomes. The same thing that the fact that this is a line when they're beginning to call parents domestic terrorists for attending school board meetings and not wanting their kids made into angry little sex bots, angry little racist sex bots. The fact that people who question the COVID response are now tagged as domestic terrorists and the rhetoric around guns is being turned up to such a degree means that I believe there's been a turn. I believe that people on the leftist portion of the party have made an icon of impotence. Not their impotence, mind you. They intend to be fully surrounded by armed people. They are fully surrounded by armed people. They've made an icon of our, what they would want to be our physical impotence to defend ourselves because they intend to roll over us. About eight years ago, I started to talk about the cold civil war in America, the American cold civil war. You're in it. 
A cultural revolution is nothing less. You are in a cold civil war. There has been periods of time where the cold civil war has become hot. It will become hot again during the midterms. I predict. I hope I'm wrong. I don't think I am. The rhetoric around abortion that women are going to be forced to have babies and forced and they're going to be forcibly impregnated and women are going to die. Same rhetoric around the Republican health care plan. It's going to murder hundreds of millions of people. And we have the shooting at the baseball park with a guy who's a member of the party that backs gun control. But there's been a turn. And I'm sorry, so many of the pieces, pieces fit so well together that I'm simply not able to uh, ignore them or play the game where I can't see the pieces coming together. It was six or seven years ago I started to talk about why are we beginning to see the so-called public health officials refer to guns as a public health issue? I mentioned this yesterday on the program when we had Reggie, uh, Reggie Littlejohn on. I hope you heard that about what the World Health Organization intends to do. I mentioned the con artist named Rochelle Walensky and what she said about guns and public health. Now in a stunning turn, the current director of the CDC is announcing a plan to reduce gun violence, sharing it exclusively with CNN. This is actually a stunning moment that a director of the CDC is even talking about this issue, is even using the word guns. It hasn't happened in years and years. Every day we turn on the news and there are more young people dying. I swore to the president and to this country that I would protect your health. Um, this is clearly one of those moments, one of those issues that is harming America's health. But there's a reason why your predecessors didn't address it. Perhaps. I want to share. We're used to hearing Dr. Rochelle Walensky. Gee, I wonder what they're hinting at. Could it have been politics? Of course it is. Guns do not affect the public health. Nail guns do not affect the public health. SUVs do not affect the public health unless you think global warming is real. It's a lie. It's a manufactured lie. Your mask protects me. My mask protects you. A lie. The vaccines, a lie. They're not vaccines. The shots are safe and effective. That's a lie. Two hours after the polls closed, this was the safest, most secure election in history. That's a lie. I know that because they don't rank elections that way. There is no second place. Go consult the rankings. Find the second place. They intend to work with the World Health Organization to make everything they dislike a public health issue. They intend to use the so-called vaccine passports, which are really just traveling papers, to make sure that your bad think is punished and that your bad think, which could become bad actions like owning guns, is punished. It is all aligning. There's been a turn. They've made an icon out of making people impotent. That's how they view things. My dad, when he would sit us down and show us his guns, and usually it was just me. Sometimes my sister would come in, but it was usually just my father and I. He never sat me down with the Holy Bible. I, I love my father. I miss him. There's not a day that goes by that I don't miss my dad. He's been gone for 20 years. And I miss him. I will always miss him. I believe I'll see him in heaven. 
I met his soul after he died twice. I know I met his soul. I, I, it's not a think I met his soul. I met his soul. And he was overjoyed. He was purely joy. I know that. But my father did not get discipled. Those guns. They were icons. They were the thing that was going to keep my father safe. They were the thing that was going to keep his family safe. My father carried his whole life. It didn't stop him from dying. It won't stop any of us from dying. It can stop us from being murdered. That Satan is so, so clever. That it's not even that we put guns between ourselves and God. But with all the efforts around, they're not going to take our guns. And guys, I'll go through the sounds. The rhetoric has changed. This, this idea that they can hide behind, that they're not coming for our guns anymore. It's just that. It's, it's a lie. That, that Now they're stating it flat out. Do they think they can get it done? I'm starting to think they do. Five days ago, four days ago on this program, I was saying it's just a fundraising stunt. And to some degree it is. And Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy, they don't really care about our guns. They truly don't. They truly, truly don't. There are Republicans who do. I'll give you some examples of people who do. But the icon. See, this this zeal that people have to keep their guns. I have it too. I have two gun safes. I have it too. You know, my uncle was once um, the the participant, the unwilling participant in a in a knock and talk. Do you remember knock and talk? You remember this? This was a William Jefferson Blythe Clinton the third thing. He's a rapist who was president for a while, and his wife is a con artist named Hillary who tried to perform a coup in this country, tried to steal an election, failed, and then went through a four year rolling coup. Bill used to go out to Epstein's island and probably rape girls. Just, just just, by way of a refresher as to who William Jefferson Blythe Clinton III is. William Jefferson Blythe Clinton III, Bill Clinton, started a program called Knock and Talk. Do you remember this? It's where federal officials would just come to your door. If they had reason to believe that you own guns, they'd just come a-knocking. They'd just chat with you. And my Uncle Richard was a Vietnam veteran, combat veteran. Combat was not good for him. Some people are okay. Richard was not. He lived way out back in Alaska, way up against some state land, had a whole bunch of acreage. Took us one day to go see the bears as the salmon spawned. And we walked through a field of grizzlies. Oh, yeah, he was armed to the teeth. He let me be armed too. I think it was 12 And he said, just blast away. Just don't hit any of us if a bear is coming at you. They knocked on his door. And they had the um, politeness to bring one of the local law enforcement officials. And my uncle knew him and said, hi, who's this? Hi, um, I'm with the federal government and and we're just doing a program to talk with gun owners about gun safety. And Richard looked at the, the, the local cop and said, I don't know guns. I've never seen a gun. I've never seen a gun in my life. He was a Vietnam veteran. He wore a sidearm at home. Because it was rural Alaska. Because he lived in Grizzlyland. He was wearing it. And the federal agent looked at his hip and said, you've never seen a gun? No, I have not. 
Bye. That was then. The rhetoric has changed. They left peacefully. There was actually never any problem after that. Local sheriff came back, called the head. <laughs> called the head. <laughs> he said to Richard, oh, I told him, man, you're going to love rural Alaska. You're going to love it. Local sheriff was out to show this guy, buddy, you don't have any idea who you're dealing with. But what about the guns becoming icons? What about this zeal we have in our hearts to protect our guns? I have it. I'm right with you. I'm just wondering if it's in the correct proportion. That's all. So we're just going to look at some of the rhetoric and how the rhetoric has changed because it absolutely has changed. It absolutely has changed. There's another change um, that is happening. My wife is on her going on next week will be 13 straight weeks of dropping unwanted fat from her body. And incidentally, I'll let you in on a little secret. Um, she is, she's gone off the program like in one or two instances, not for a day, but for a bite here or there. And she confessed it. Why? Because she's grown to have a friendship, you know, some trust with the people at Soda Weight Loss at SodaWeightLoss.com. They're not, they're not, this isn't about creating robots. That's not about, that's not about it. But if, let, let, let me lay it out to you this way. If, if you walk into a restaurant today, today, if you have to go eat and they drop the menu in front of you, can you look at it and say, here's how I'm going to eat and continue to drop unwanted fat from my body. If they just drop it right in front of you, could you make a quick, quick analysis of that? It's one of the skills you're going to pick up. Here's another. Do you miss being able to eat the foods you want without feeling guilt? Now that's a key thing. You know my ritual. I go once a week and I eat a whole bunch, a whole pizza and a whole Caesar salad with chicken. Every week, it's the same thing. It's a ritual because I love it. I love the little pizza shop. I love my friends who run it. It's a great time. But I know how to do this in a way that doesn't cause problems. You're going to learn the same thing. They'll teach you the same skill they've taught me. Soda weight loss will teach you how to do this and more. They'll teach you how to maintain the weight loss. Once you hit your goal weight with soda weight loss, you never again, ever have to pay to get counseling. Right? I mean, if you need to go back on the food, et cetera, you'll pay for that. But they'll help you figure out where you've gone off track for free for the rest of your life once you hit your commitment, right? Because they're committed to changing the way you view food, the way you interact with food. They're committed to that because they're healthcare providers by background. They're the very, very best at this. My wife is utterly thrilled. I heard her on the phone the other day singing the praises of the program to a friend of hers. She wasn't getting paid. She's not a podcaster. She's a wife of a podcaster and she's your own person as well. I'm her husband. She's my wife. It's sodaweightloss.com. It stands for state of the art. Soda, S-O-T-A, weightloss.com. Did I mention the rhetoric has changed? It has. This is Mondaire Jones who serves in, well, I shouldn't say serves. He, uh, he, he, he sits fourth in Congress. Our lives the same as you did when you were kids, but we can't let you get away with this anymore. Enough is enough. Enough of you telling us that school shootings are a fact of life when every other country like ours has virtually ended it. Enough of you blaming mental illness and then defunding mental health care in this country. Enough of your thoughts and prayers. Enough. Enough. 
You will not stop us from advancing the Protecting Our Kids Act today. You will not stop us from passing it in the House next week, and you will not stop us there. If the filibuster obstructs us, we will abolish it. If the Supreme Court objects, we will expand it, and we will not rest until we have taken weapons of war out of circulation in our communities. Each and every day, we will do whatever it takes to end gun violence, whatever it takes. What we will do is not fail the children of this country the way that you have failed us. Will you put locks on school doors? No. Will you, in fact, stop making kids crazy by telling them that they can't even trust their eyes and ears, that there's no such thing as boys and girls? No, you're a racist. I mean, homophobe. I mean, some other phobe. Transphobe. Transphobe. Will you stop fetishizing drugs and encouraging the use of pot, which at high amounts can create psychoses and violent psychoses? No, no, no. We're not going to do that. That's that's bitter clinging. That's your religion. That's enough of your thoughts and prayers. Will you, as a black member of Congress, go into black neighborhoods and say, hey, can we get the fathers back in the household? Sorry what our Democrat Party did to the household. That's over now. Can we get fathers back? No. Now you're truly a racist because that's a white construct, man. Having the nuclear family, that's a white construct. Wait a minute. You mean to tell me that black people before they came to the United States of America were able to have kids without mom and dad? Well, we used tribes. Well, we did too. We had clans, but we also had families. So are you willing to do that? No, but we'll do everything we can to stop to stop gun violence. I see. Will you go into the neighborhoods where you know there's going to be so-called gun violence this weekend, which is gang violence? Will you get out there in advance? Will you use the same efforts you did to shut down barbers and bartenders and diners because they dared open during your beloved pandemic? Will you use the same tools? Against them, RICO tools against the gangs. No, we're going to use that against you. We're going to use the public health stuff against you, Mr. Gunnar. Now in a stunning turn, the current director of the CDC is announcing a plan to reduce gun violence, sharing it exclusively with CNN. We're going to use that against you. Haven't you noticed that we're not using anything against Black Lives Matter Incorporated? Yeah, I'm right with you. I'm right with you. Come and get it. Now, if they go through a constitutional process and they actually follow the Constitution and they actually get a constitutional amendment and they actually change our Constitution in the legal way, well, I'm going to have to pray on my knees. I don't know that I'm brave enough for that. And there's the point. Yeah, if they went through a constitutional amendment process and it was legal and constitutional and I'm faced with then it's Romans 13, then it really is. Oh, yeah, they used the constitutional process. They banned our guns constitutionally. I don't know that I trust the Lord enough. I don't know that I trust God enough. Daniel and his friends, when they were taken into captivity in Babylon... They did what they were told. The only thing they wouldn't do is violate their faith. They wouldn't eat the foods they were told to eat because they'd been sacrificed to icons and and fake gods. They wouldn't deny the God of Egypt, the God of Abraham. They wouldn't do that. 
Oh, yeah, but learn your language. Okay. Serve your society. Okay, we're here because God said so. God allowed it to happen. I don't know that I have enough faith for that. Do you? Do you? I think that's what we'd be called to do if God allowed it. I don't know that I can. But will doubtful ever get there? Doubtful that we'll ever land there. Here's where we're at. Do a gut check with me. If they came for your Bibles. If the government came for your Bibles. They get your guns out. If they came for your Bibles. If they banned you from speaking the name of God, would you have the same feeling in your guts? What if they started to tell your kids that they weren't allowed to say there's boys and girls, which is a direct confrontation, a direct assault on God's design for human beings? Would you then have the same feeling in your gut? Would you still, then you have the same sort of righteous anger in your gut? Would you fight just as hard? Would you argue just as hard? Would you teach just as hard? Would you give as much money to defend your religious freedom, which is also God-given? The First Amendment comes prior to the Second The First Amendment is our bridge to God. Speech is a manifestation of our brains. Our brains are our bridge to God along with our soul. He gave us language for a reason so that we could hear his words and repeat his words and teach his words. So how is it that you and I, and I am guilty, I stand and I raise my hand, I am guilty right here of spending more time worrying about them coming to get the guns because I think they're serious this time, some of them, some of them. Some of them, it's folly. Nancy Pelosi doesn't care. Dianne Feinstein doesn't particularly care. It's a, it's, a, it's a handy fundraising tool. This guy, the new breed of people who are in Congress on the left, yeah, they care. Yeah, they think they can get it done. Why? Because they watched. They watched the left roll over every institution. They're watching schools teach kids how to have sex in fifth grade, in, in, in kindergarten. They're watching it. They've watched same-sex marriage become a choice to become something you have to participate in or a human rights commission in Colorado will crush you, destroy you. The process is the penalty. They've watched their side roll over people. So the icon, I think of the Lord looking at people scrambling to keep their guns and saying, wow, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord, our God. I'm not saying give up the guns, not close to that. I'm asking proportionally, do we have this in the right place? Have you had the same concern about what they're doing to the word of God? Because I know until recently I have not. And there are Republicans who get this. That, that get how serious this is and they get how the rhetoric has changed. I didn't know about this guy until I saw this video. He's responding to, in, in Congress, responding to this stuff that Jerry Nadler's saying. Nadler is, is it's the ultimate swamp, I must call him swamp mama. That's a name for Nadler, swamp mama. That's not really mocking. Is that mocking? Swamp mama? <laughs> well, if I was ever called in to, to, to testify in Congress, uh, what if I slipped and called him, yes, Congressman Swamp Mama? He was asked about uh, taking away 18-year-olds' rights to own guns. Now, we're not going to take away the right to free speech. They're adults, legally adults. 
But the but the left wants to do this to take away their guns because you can't own a gun until you're 21. Not not the day before you're 21 because the day you turn 21, now you'll never go on another mass shooting. Um, we recognize different ages for different purposes. We recognize 18 for the draft. We recognize uh, 16 for driving in some states. We recognize uh, uh, 21 for drinking. Um, so we recognize different ages for different purposes. That's, that's all I want to say. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Could I have a second to engage that? Certainly. Would, I'll, I'll would, yield to the gentleman from Kentucky. Would, would the chairman join me in co-sponsoring a bill to raise the draft age to 21? No. And, but the chairman feels that their brains aren't fully formed at 18, 19, and 20. The, 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 the research does indicate that in certain respects, but the Selective Service uh, needs, I mean, if, if, if the country needs people, it needs people. It needs people whose brains aren't fully formed? In certain respects, yes. Uh, I yield back. <laughs> <laughs> that is so utterly gorgeous. Because this swamp mama, it, it, you raised the draft age to 21. No. Wait a minute. I thought you guys were the anti-war party. No, no, no. We're, we're getting ready to, we're, we're fixing to head in Ukraine. We're fixing to drop troops into Ukraine. Didn't you know that? We might need people. So, yeah, again, you could fold over the hypocrisy on this thing all the way up into a fine souffle. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think of that Middle Eastern dessert. What is that? That, that it's layers of, of crusty crust in the nuts and it's so tasty. So you could fold it over into something like that. They don't even care about the hypocrisy. It doesn't even matter to them because it's this emotional thing. And in the case of Nadler, it's a fundraising thing. He doesn't care about your guns, but the new wave of congressmen do. Now there is a congressman who gets it. And I didn't know this guy existed. And then I watched this and, and, and it is, look, it's a bit of drama. Let's admit this. This guy's name is Greg Stobe. He's from Florida. He is at home being a congressman, phoning in on Zoom. Right here in front of me, I have a Sig Sauer P226. Comes with a 21-round magazine. This gun would be banned. Here's a 12-round here's a magazine. This magazine would be banned under this current bill. It doesn't fit because this gun was made for a 20-round, 20 21-round magazine. This gun would be banned under this bill. Here's a Sig Sauer 320. It takes a 20 round magazine, takes a 20 round magazine. Here's a 12 round magazine that would be banned. It doesn't fit because it would be banned. This gun would be banned under this bill. Here's a gun I carry every single day to protect myself, my family, my wife, my home. This is a XL Sig Sauer P365. Comes with a 15 round magazine. Here's a seven round magazine, which would be less then what it would be lawful under this bill if this bill were to come law, it doesn't fit. So this gun would be banned. I hope the gun, the gun is not loaded. I'm at my house. I can do whatever <laughs> I want with my gun. That's Nadler. That's the swamp mama. I hope that gun is not. You're not there, Jerry. Oh, but he's aware of what the guy is doing on video. So the guy owns a bunch of guns. I own a bunch of guns. I bet you own a bunch of guns. And my sole question about this, is this another way that Satan gets us just the tiniest bit off track? It's not that we're, it's not, it's not about the, it's not about stopping owning guns. None of it. Buy more of them. I demand you buy more guns. <laughs> I'm going to go buy more guns. Just so everybody understands. I want to make sure this is coming across the right way. 
Some trust in chariots and horses. Some of us trust in the word of God. And I just admitted, man, if they did an actual constitutional amendment, I don't know if I have enough trust in that. I do trust my friend, Zach Abraham, chief investment officer of Bulwark Capital Management. I trust him because I've known him for a long time now. I knew him as a radio host first. I became friends with him through working out together. And you learn a lot about a dude working out together through a couple of really serious workouts. I learned about him at a philanthropic event where I met his wife and I saw that he puts money where mouth is. I saw how he cares for the least of these. I saw how he stewards his money. I know how he treats his family. And I came to know how Zach Abraham at Bulwark Capital Management treats every single client. It's a big company. It's become very successful. The Lord has blessed them. And Zach reviews every portfolio. It has become a big company because God has blessed it. And Zach is, in fact, I think, believes it fully in stewarding people's money. And they have held tight to a philosophy. There are investments they will not make. They will not invest in companies that are going directly in contravention to the word of God. They won't do it. And... At Bulwark Capital Management, they have this uniting philosophy. Risk management comes first, right? In this day and time, and you probably have this, we're talking about gut feelings today. When you look at your 401k or you look at your 403b or your bank account or you go to bed at night, do you ever have those moments going to bed where you're going, am I doing the right thing? Right? My financial manager, he didn't see this inflation thing coming. Well, it wasn't screaming from the rooftops. Well, Bulwark Capital Management has been for nearly a decade, 0% interest rate loans, et cetera. Does my finance guy, does he admit to me that the system is rigged? Well, Zach Abraham does. And it's a system that we have. So if you're within five years of retirement, are you locked and loaded for risk management? This is exactly what Bulwark Capital Management does. They focus on risk management because a win is fantastic unless you lose twice as much as you win. When you're looking to retire, two step forward, one step back. Well, maybe you can handle that. But what about two steps back, one step forward? Call Bulwark Capital Management. They're at 866-779-RISK. That's 866-779-RISK or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client services agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representing the Trek Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. So the rhetoric has changed. And I do think that there are now members of the left, leftist portion of the party who do think they can come and get the guns. And candidly, I think there's a bunch of shiny shoes who would just as soon let it happen. I know Republicans who worked at the Republican National Committee, young Republicans who had never seen a firearm. Ever. I know this. Because when I had some of them over to my apartment in Virginia and my firearms were there, someone said, wow, there's a bullet here on my counter. I said, oh, sorry about that. You have guns? Yes. Here? Yes. And it was this look in the face of, oh. And I said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're a Republican. You've never seen a firearm. And this young man sat there and thought about it. He said, well, on cops. And what about 
when we have leadership in the in the building and they come in with actual submachine guns. Paul Ryan was there last week. They had a leadership meeting. And I, I think this was back in the day of Boehner and those guys. When leadership was over, the, all the black SUVs would surround the building and there'd be guys with literal submachine guns everywhere and, and bullet professors. You saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But those are like, hey, Todd, those are secret service agents. And, and other, now everyone's starting to get the joke and laughing like we're Second Amendment people. And I went to go get the firearm. So Josh, I want you to hold the firearm. Oh, no, no. I want you to hold the firearm. So of course I showed him, Hey, I'm going to make the gun safe. Here's what I'm doing. Okay. I'm going to pull this hammer back and a bullet's going to come out. It can't shoot you. I'm going to remove this device. This, this is called the magazine. It serves the other bullets right now. This can't shoot. There's nothing in it. It's just like a hammer, but I just want you to feel it in your hand. And his hand was shaking. Now, I'm not trying to turn him into a gun owner. He's a guy who shouldn't own guns, but understand this. There are people in the Republican Party who are there for the money. They don't care about your guns. They're surrounded with guns. They feel safe. But their icon is what? The men with guns. Their icon is their status. And it's not sin. In my judgment, this is not sin to believe that you can be safer owning guns than not. I do believe that. But where it gets us off course is if we trust more in the Second Amendment than we do in God Almighty. If we care more about those, if we're more afraid of those who can harm the body than that who can, than those who can, he who can condemn the soul. It's about priorities. Do you get the same feeling when you look at a, a bookcase filled with Bibles and reading material that, yes, this is, this, this is, in fact, the keys to my safety. This is, in fact, the keys to my eternal longevity, as you do like when I did when we would look at my father's guns. Only until recently do I have that feeling. And I invite you to ask yourself, do you have that feeling? And there are Republicans who I think do truly get this truly do, such as Matt Gates. He's talking here about red flag laws. Now, this is a complicated issue, and if to pretend otherwise, I think is sophistry. Gates's take on red flag issues is well said, but I do have a question about the mental health aspect of this. Let the message from this committee hearing to Republican senators be astonishingly clear. If you back red flag laws at some reflexive response to some emotion that you have. You betray your voters. You are a traitor to the Constitution, the Second Amendment, the Fifth Amendment. You do nothing to make mass shootings less likely. And you put a target on the back of your constituents to be subject to bizarre proceedings that you wouldn't see in any other type of circumstance that has a profound impact on your rights and these will be abused they are being abused i think there's some that would probably red flag some of your colleagues in the senate how long until the conversations about <laughs> kicking line. senator holly off of aircraft turn into conversations brilliant. about taking his guns away brilliant brilliant you see this isn't just about guns it's about power and what the democrats want is to ensure that the government has the power to take your guns away without giving you due process. 
And shame on any Republican in the Senate that would pave the way to that type of deprivation of our liberty and our constitutional rights. I yield back to the gentleman from Arizona. Those who would give up liberty for freedom deserve neither. I am aware that I've paraphrased that. Here's my question with the shootings and the mental health and these people communicated in every possible way that they should be put away. What about red flag laws there? What about that? Yeah, the guy in Texas saying, hey, uh, you're, uh, here's my guns and you're going to want to retweet these later and you're going to post this on Instagram and you don't know who I am. And every instance where we see these people heating up to, hey, I'm going to do this. This guy uh, in, in Texas was called the Yuba school shooter because there's a, a social platform called Yuba. And, and he was so weird that people said he's going to shoot up the school. What about that? Shouldn't there be red flag laws there? Shouldn't we take their guns there? Question on logic. What is easier to do to protect people? To put a dangerous person away or to take away one of his tools? Authorities say they did seize the suspect's guns, but not his SUV. Authorities say they seized the suspect's guns, but not his SUV and his four pressure cookers. Authorities say they seized the suspect's guns, but not his SUV, his four gas containers, his five pressure cookers, and his trailer filled with ammonium nitrate. It all breaks apart on mere logic. But what about the icons? The leftist portion of the party has created an icon of helplessness. They've created icons of race. A so-called journalist, Rodnisi Bichote Hermelin, wrote about one of the recent shootings. We can't even process one mass shooting before the next occurs. Now, Tuesday's atrocity in Tulsa, Tulsa happened on the 101st anniversary of the Tulsa Black Wall Street massacre. White supremacy is clearly a factor, to which a gentleman named Carmen Sabia replied, the shooter was black. Want to talk more about white supremacy, you racist? They've created an icon of racism. They've created an icon of impotence. This is from a very, very sick man in, in a, a former writer. Well, he's a writer. He used to be a reporter. He's an opinion guy. He's a legend in the separate country of Seattle. Hey, America, following Washington on gun laws could have presented those mass could have prevented those mass shootings from Danny Westney. Really? In your Emerald City, from which I'm in exile, you have record number of shootings, Daniel. You have record number of murders by shooting, Daniel. Committed people will go get the weapons, Daniel, or they'll improvise, Daniel. You had nothing to say, Danny Westneat, when armed people drove around your city blocking cops in roadways from stopping vandalism in unmarked trucks. You, In fact, your, your, your paper celebrated it. There's this from the separate country of Seattle. Seattle police stopped investigating new adult sexual assaults this year. They stopped investigating rapes. Ring 911, state your emergency. <sighs> I, was, I was just raped. All right, we don't investigate those anymore. Uh, maybe you could call Danny Westneed at the Seattle Times. They are not investigating rapes because they don't have enough cops. That's what they say. No, my opinion, uh-uh. 
they don't investigate rapes because if they're not investigated, are people going to report them? You think I'm kidding? People don't report property crimes anymore. People barely report stolen vehicles. All they do is call the cops and say, look, can I just get this for my insurance? Can you just give me a case number? They know it's not going to be chased down. Or there's this. From my former colleague and friend, current friend, former colleague in radio, who's always breaking news, Jason Rantz. A guy climbed over a fence to Sandpoint Elementary in, in the Seattle area. A, a, probably a homeless guy, probably a meth addict. Suspect is named Laban, uh, which is 20 years old, Liban Harassam. According to police, he's a high utilizer, the designation for public offenders of the Seattle attorneys. So what this means is he's always getting arrested. High utilizer, meaning he's a high utilizer of the criminal justice system. Police say Hassam arrived at Sandpoint Elementary School just before 2.30 p.m. last Thursday. Police documents allege he hopped the fence to the campus where, according to a parent, he was allegedly harassing students and staff. The parent said he proceeded to rifle through student backpacks and touch many of the students on their backs and heads while wielding a tennis racket. Police were called after the school went into lockdown. But... The principal of the school, Richard Bailey according to the police, would not cooperate. From Jason's article linked in the show notes, when one officer arrived, he saw parents gathered outside of the school. The officer was not initially told the school was on lockdown. Quote, I met Principal R. Bailey in the North parking lot. He was observing the suspect with two other teachers. He provided very little information about the incident. I was only advised that the suspect jumped the fence. Didn't want to participate. The officer observed Hassam walking around in circles while repeatedly dropping some personal items, according to the report. He may have been higher experiencing a mental health crisis. The principal, R. Bailey Azaki, and the other two teachers would not speak to me. I had not been advised of any crime, so I contacted the suspect thinking I was performing a welfare check due to his mental state. He appeared to be under the influence of narcotics or possibly having a mental episode. Harassam, the suspect, would not speak to the officer and walked off. Once Harassam Laban left the school grounds, Principal R. Beliazaki now stated the suspect took a child's backpack after he left. They've created an icon of impotence, an icon of helplessness. They've created icons of people who are mentally ill. They've created icons of the drugs that lead to the mental illness. They sometimes, not always, but often lead to drug-induced psychosis. They've created icons of this. They want us to be impotent. They want us to be those little kids. I won't go that way and neither will you. But here's my question. Did that, let me say it this way. Did that story just torque you off? What about the Bible burnings? What about the left rushing into churches and defiling churches? What about the government stealing man and woman? What about people fired for the religious convictions to not take the injections? I'm not asking for more anger. We just talked the other day about not doing that. I'm asking, do we have as much belief that the word of God can protect us 
not from trials. The Lord is clear. We'll go through trials. But do we believe that God Almighty and his word is worth as much of our attention and our belief and our confidence as that gun you have on your holster, on your side, in your safe, or in your car safe? I know it's a new one for me. I know it's new for me to believe this way. I know that this is, well, it's my estimation that this is probably a new way to talk about guns in conservative circles. I think it is. In fact, I know brothers who are made angry by topics done this way. We left radio to be able to put God at the center of things. I'd love your feedback on this particular episode. You can go to the ToddHermanShow.com, the ToddHermanShow.com and give us that feedback. I've told you before, and I won't belabor it because I don't like to repeat stories of how much my wife disliked weapons when she first, when we first moved in together, living in sin. I've told you this story about the young man trying to break into her house. I've told you this story about my wife waking me up in the middle of the night. I just got back from a flight from New York. It was like four o'clock in the morning. And I've told you this story about reaching for my weapon with the red dot laser sight on it. Told you this story about the young man trying to brush it off his chest and me saying, that's actually a gun and him running away. I've told you that story. I've told you the story about going hiking way, way up in the olden days in the Idaho woods when they used to have their grow ops far up in the woods and my wife stepping on a trip wire. Being glad I had an arms, that I was armed I've told you all these stories. You have your own. I also have this. That the same people who scream for impotence for us are the same people who scream, police, help me. Someone's at a school board meeting. And then this. On the idea of hope, there is a turning The Lord is showing people something. There is a turning. In the shooting in Philadelphia, there's a man who survived. And in this little clip here, he makes clear that he's filled with, uh, what did they say? He said, morphine. So I'm I'm perfectly happy. They shot me up with a bunch of morphine. He's kind of joking with the reporter. The man was shot in the foot. He survived the shooting. Other people did not. But he experienced something. My wife experienced me defending the household. My wife experienced the knowledge that if it came to it, I was armed and even had a gun on my, uh, on my ankle when we were way up in the, in the woods. You've had the experience of, thank God I had my weapon with me. I've told you the story about the people I believe intended to kidnap my daughter and I had a weapon. And at that point I did produce it. It's the only time in my life other than the incident at our house where I actually pointed it at someone. I was relatively certain I was going to have to shoot that young man because there was a door between he and us. I didn't know what was going to happen outside of SeaTac airport. You probably have those same things. I've told those stories more often than I've shared the gospel. I've told those stories more often than I've shared the gospel. This young man, high on his morphine, 
standing outside the hospital, has had a change of heart. What were those moments like, you know, when the, when the shots started going off and you, you realized uh, that you were part of this, you know, a victim of this? When I had a giant hole in my New Balance sneakers and smoke coming out of my foot, that's how I knew it was real. Was everyone running? What was happening then? That's, everybody was running for their lives. People was uh, running. Uh, I had to, you know, drag some men and women in because they were shot. They couldn't walk no more. You're shot in the leg. You're, you're, you're handicapped. You're helpless. So what if the maniac wanted to attack these men and women and, and finish them off? But luckily, the Philadelphia Police Department, uh, they've some great heroes. I ain't going to lie. Uh, and, 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 you know, I'm sorry if I disrespected them in the past. There's a turning coming. It's a good turning. There are people who are going to witness the fallen world and people who are going to witness people who don't want the world to fall. My prayer is that we will make sure that as we attempt to keep our nation from falling, we don't let God fall out of his proper place, way up above the flag. This is the Todd Herman Show. Please go be well, be strong, be kind, and be mindful to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul.